It's our wrap of the top business stories here on Metro FM Talk. And uh, joining me uh, to take a look at some of these stories is uh, Snesipo Manindra, who's a market analyst and a CA. Uh, Snesipo, good evening to you and welcome. Hi, Anna. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? How was your weekend? It was good, 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 good. I was on holiday, so I was okay. in my client. Oh, okay. No, I've been a trans guy last week, but um, yeah, certainly now back in the thick of things. But let's maybe start <laughs> off first, Nizipo, out, yeah, yeah, let's start off out there at Amazon in the US. Now, I was certainly talking up, uh, I guess, a few weeks ago, um, all of the lobbying around, you know, really at one of the plants at Amazon getting uh, a trade union to organize there. And uh, it seems, I guess, the workers have roundly rejected that particular view. What, what happened here? Okay, so I think we I think we need to to to, to start with off by setting the context. Um, Amazon is the largest um, e-commerce retailer operating in the U.S. One of the largest in the world, second only to Alibaba, depending on where you are in the world. Now, Amazon and um, specifically the CEO Jeff Bezos and all of um, management have are very anti-union as a concept, and it's not just Amazon. This is a very popular mm. stance um, across. Um, large U.S. corporates. Now, a couple of weeks ago, due to the due to um, COVID, because you always you think always led by COVID, um, mm. there was a push to unionize, specifically when it came to working conditions, as well as um, as working conditions, as well as the need for uh, protective equipment, and um, also having to do with leave and. What happens if someone shows up sick? Um, and mm. that's because in terms of labor relations, um, Amazon has one of the worst track records known to man uh, when it comes to the treatment of their staff. Um, it's no wonder that their CEO, former CEO, since the ex-CEO and founder is the richest man in the world. It's because they basically operate like sweet camp. That's <laughs> Um, spit shops. That's the best way I can actually describe Amazon. And um, unfortunately, um, the union, there was a vote on whether or not they should be able to unionize. Um, staff should be able to unionize, and that was shut down. This is what Amazon did. Now, in terms of tactics, um, they threatened severe employees uh, with, if you were to unionize, we're going to fire you, any activism, fire you, mistreat mm. you. Does American law allow them to do that, though? Maybe that's. Oh yes, it does. Remember, they've got a. Mm. Yeah, that's what happens when you don't have when you have a an elastic uh, labor relations system. The one that they want to bring in SA, you can Mm. fire someone any day of the week. Eyes long up. No, but that's exactly why, and I think, and and I I want, I want to stress this point in terms of. Um, there was a study that I noted that I noted um, a couple of weeks ago. I was bored, so I was reading up on it. We were talking about the fact that um, it was going to the Senate floor about the fact that the, the federal, um, the national, whatever the word is, national minimum wage in the U.S. hasn't mm. moved in over 15 years. Yes, yes, yeah. And it's part of the reasons why people have been able to acquire so significant wealth is because the employee mm. costs have remained stagnant. And yeah, I mean, I heard something similar when Asnesipo in the hospitality industry. So, you know, for like, uh, there's a tips minimum wage in that country. And they've kept it at the same level since 1998. No, I, I saw that. I was, yeah. I actually, this, 
I knew it had stayed low, but hearing some of these, the, how long it stayed low. Now, what you do that is that you drive uh, your employees in a cycle of abuse and and abuse, and as well as you st- you, you you sort of keep, you keep them in the poverty trap, mm, which mm. the poverty trap in itself. And it also speaks to when people talk about. I love it when someone says, "Oh my God, let's make labor relations." Uh, um, uh, flexible in America. Yeah, and the trade unions are a problem. You know, they always say they that. Like, yeah. Do you know that yeah. the idea that you've got paid maternity leave in SA does not exist in the US? It is not required by law. And they so there's no like to... contributory insurance scheme that pays you when you take maternity leave, like the UIF. Yes, they they they, they do have unemployment, but it's not for you. You don't have a situation where it's a mandatory requirement. It's like compulsory. No yeah, yeah, they, sure, sure. That's what they don't have. They don't have, like, when I hear about sure. the fact that we get the days of leave that we get and I hear about their leave days, I'm like, they don't have leave days. And I'm like, how do you guys survive? Like, I would... It, I mean, you, you but you know, about, I mean, that's what we take for granted, eh? Like, historic. I mean, as we're approaching May Day now, we take for granted, like, the gains of the international labor movement i mean just a five-day week that thing wasn't there before before like people actually kicked up a storm and they actually fought for it that thing wasn't there yes and also and i think when we think about it there was this um article about uh the new zealand prime minister uh, jacinda mm. about um about a paid um uh when uh, you have a miscarriage we already have that in our law it's been there. Mm. We've been knowing the things that we've been. I think we, I think we forget about the level of progressiveness of SA labor laws. What makes me sad sure. is that a lot of these labor gains uh, are not going to materialize the way they need to be because we've defended. Utito, Uncle Tito has defended hey, the, the irony, and, right? And that is also my the irony. <laughs> the irony. I'm like, you defunded CCMA. <laughs> You've defunded. Yet you're the guy who drafted the LRA and uh, you know all of the other legislation that gave effect to it. I mean, it's it's crazy, Nessie. But um, I guess you know all of these things happen in waves, and uh, you know where I guess successive generations of struggle have brought us to where we are now. And now maybe we need to fight for a four. Uh, you know, a four-day week, but uh, let's leave that for now. What do you make of the COVID-19 loan guarantee scheme being extended for another three months? I mean, I, I don't think yeah. it really matters. I like. I, I mean, like you know, <laughs> you know, you know, guys. And I said this before to people. I actually said a whole thread last year on Twitter, but then people were like, "I'm hating from the outside." I was like, "The banks are not equipped for this. They are not equipped for this distribution." and the impact that this is required to do. Mm. A lot of the banks, you can't change a bank's risk model. It, it doesn't fundamentally change the risk model. So for me, distribution-wise, it was always going to be a challenge. And also, when you look at the stats, I think uh, I think Kaz, um, I think the CEO of um, Banking Association, he, was, he dropped mm. some of the stats on why the rejections are so high. A lot of it was rejections of um, the application wasn't done incorrectly. A lot of the entrepreneurs already were in debt and would not have qualified yeah, anyway. Yeah, Thirdly, a yeah. lot of the business plans were not proven to be viable and were viable posts because what you had to demonstrate, and I think besides the bank's risk model, if you even, even if you eliminate the risk model, what entrepreneurs had to demonstrate and also need to take ownership for failure to demonstrate this, not the bank, Keymore's 
ownership of failure to demonstrate was that um, they needed to show a recovery plan uh, post-COVID mm. and demonstrate it. And again, one of the things I've always said to people, I was like, um, people are very good at running their businesses day-to-day, um, but what they struggle to do is articulate themselves themselves in a manner that banks understand when it comes to raising funding and mm. that for me that disconnect unless you fix that disconnect you're always going to have a situation where people cry on social but, media but, and, but 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 just just a quick one on that one surely even pre-covid we knew that um you know the book the small business book of the big commercial banks um, was largely, I guess, of you know, relatively risk-free entities, if I can put it that way, in the, in the scope of what you're saying, right? So all of the ones who would have received the money anyway received the money. But surely there should have been something that put in place both by the Treasury, the Reserve Bank, and the banks to say, can we create some shared service model that is effectively going to assist the guy who's a plumber or the guy who runs a paint shop, who runs it very well, to actually effectively speak the language of the bankers? That's not the bank's job. That's why I said the issue was the no, distribution no, 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 I'm model. Saying, not, this, this is not a multi-stakeholder. That was not their role. I think we need to. No, no, let me clarify the point I'm making. I'm not saying it was the sole responsibility of the banks. I'm saying this was a multi-stakeholder scheme that was developed. Yes, with the banking association, the national treasury, and the Saab. Surely, the, those multi-stakeholders could have come together and created that type of thing. They could have, they chose not to, and it wasn't included in their budget. It wasn't included in their budget. And I think that's the thing. I think sometimes when you... Uh, They could still do it. There's so much money left over. I mean, come on. Let's break it down for what the funding was. The funding was straight to direct application. If you wanted to assist entrepreneurs, you needed to provide capital purely for that aspect. Mm, so, sure, so sure. for me, so for me, if you're not trying to, so if you're expecting a bank, let's go to a normal bank branch to, for them to go through what they would needed to do, and needed to do in order to assist entrepreneurs, to assist entrepreneurs, if they, they needed to equipment staff, they needed they they needed to be to to, to find you needed to find that specifically, and that is another intervention. Could the bank done it on their own balance sheet? Yes. Could did they want to know? I think the so scheme could have done it. No. I mean, there's so much, <laughs> so much money guaranteed here. I think the scheme could have done it, um, and effectively tapped into other, you know, uh, existing. I mean, the fact that, for instance, some of the small business D, uh, DFIs weren't even involved in this is something else. But um, I mean, uh, question you know, marks they around. They got accused of being corrupt, so that's why. That's why they said that they must must go to the banks. Remember, we same B. Mm. One day, one day we must talk. We must talk about the smoke and daggers around this whole thing. Uh, <laughs> before the suicide, more in. because I nearly said something I, I shouldn't have said there. Uh, don't worry. Don't worry. We'll, uh, 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 we'll talk about it afterwards. <laughs> okay, cool. Mamela <laughs> uh, what is happening in the semiconductor industry? There's a one dollar valued chip that effectively is sparking a supply chain glut in the automotive sector, electronic sector, appliances sector, and any other sector that uses uh, LCD or liquid crystal display screens? Uh, so, um, ironically, I, I'm, I'm buying a TV and my brother bought a TV, so I actually thought of it. And so Alala. I, doing, <laughs> I helped with the demand, but on the very, very real thing, um, besides... It was, it was the most ironic thing. Us working from home, we've changed our consumption habits. 
Mm. If I'm working from home, I want a bigger screen. I want to enjoy my TV more because now I'm watching TV. It's it's all about and it's in the different display units because I also I I, I see what happened. It's, it's it's ironic in that people did not think of changing consumption habits and things where where things where people going people are buying TV, they mm. buying laptops, uh, but they're not buying other things. They're not buying clothing. It's just a change of consumption behavior driven by the need for you to make your home comfortable. It also um, plays a part in terms of, remember the home decor, it's literally the same thing where it's unexpected demand done by the pandemic but you changing your consumption habits. And mm, mm. I, I, I didn't predict the TV thing. I was surprised as well. But when I thought about it and I thought about my own consumption behavior, if I'm Yeah, it made sense. <laughs> it actually, if you think about it, it actually makes sense what happened. And the fact that we're now, Samsung is issuing warnings. You had uh, the Japanese are issuing warnings. Japanese factories are shutting down. Everyone's worried about this. There's a flight on the trade because... Everyone is stuck at home. Just think about it in this way. Uh, London's about to open up after three months of being in national lockdown. So, yeah, I saw they're opening the pubs there. Yeah, they're opening. To go get, to go get a pint. Definitely. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I guess, you know, what this does show us is that the entire value chain of many of the day-to-day goods we interact with is at different stages of maturity. Because, you know, when, when I was sort of listening to that story of one of the Taiwanese factory owners, I mean, a lot of the technology and capital equipment he uses is probably the stuff of the 90s. Um, and that effectively, I guess, has made it so difficult to really maybe scale up or ramp up his production at a time where even the auto guys probably mistimed the, I guess, timeline of the virus. I think we, it, it literally is no one saw it coming. You, you... And that's and that's a thing with Black Swan events. Um, there's um there's an article that I was reading. I think I'll send it to you. I might post it later about winners and losers in COVID. Mm. COVID created new billionaires thanks to Forbes. The Forbes created new billionaires. It created growth in things that we didn't we didn't see. Um, I always make the example of Zoom. Zoom has hey, Zoom, yeah. yeah, yeah. Go for every day Zoom meeting, every day of my life. Yeah. Every How many people have taken up subscriptions, you know, because it tucks you no, out? I've had after... to take up subscription. That yeah. time limit catches Everybody's you off. Everybody's had to. Mm. That time limit catches you off. That mm. time you, you take a subscription because that time limit is a very, it, uh, it catches you. And for me, especially <sighs> the meetings I have at you, it, that's the thing. It's a change of consumption behavior. They, they didn't expect it because the sales of TVs have not been the highest. And then you suddenly mm. have this pandemic and the chips are also used in automobiles. You suddenly have this pandemic, you cut off production and then post cutting off production, everyone is ordering a TV because they're at home and they hate their TVs. <laughs> because people don't buy TVs every year. It's not a, it's a weird person. No, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's not, so that's exactly what happened. And now you've got a situation. You then add the shutdown the, the, the shutdown in Texas because of the weather, the issues in Japan. It, it, you've got infrastructure that hasn't been updated. Capex Factories been burning. Updated, burning. Mm-hmm. And you're, you don't even see it coming. And literally, that's exactly Same. what happened. And you are in a situation where you're like, I've since when do people care about TV? Nice. Hey. <laughs> Before I let you go, stage set uh, for 
wage negotiations across the board in South Africa. We know negotiations are starting soon at ESCOM. Uh, we know negotiations have started in other parts of the public service. Now, we heard today in local government, SALGA, which uh, is the, I guess, the representative body for our municipalities, tabling a 2.8% municipal wage hike offer at a time where the SAMU, which is the other party on the other side of the negotiating table, is saying they want a one-year wage agreement, 4,000 salary increase, 15,000 rand minimum wage, 3,500 housing allowance, 80% employer medical aid contribution, and 25% employer contribution towards the pensions. It seems like... If they heard what I got... <laughs> no, but on the very real perspective... you got to increase at least. I mean, come on. I considered it a salary adjustment. And it does, it, it to, I think what we need to understand is that the model for salary benchmarks is inflation. That is the global sure. standard. If your inflation is very low, which is what it is in South Africa, but I always have this debate between your real inflation as well and versus your uh, your cool. reporting mm. inflation. Because remember, yeah, our inflation, yeah. and this is also one of the things I hate about um, SA economists, and generally, there's no idea to adjust inflation because you actually have to adjust inflation for South Africa because the building blocks of the inflation calculation for developing economies versus a developed economy are two different things. And, and when was the last time we adjusted the, the basket? When was the last time hey, we said, you know, I, I we'll include this? I think I was still in varsity then. I think I was still in varsity. Imagine. I, 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 and, and then that's a very real thing. I think I was still in varsity. That is how long it's been. It might have been even earlier, eh? Hey? It might have been even it earlier. It might have been, yeah. I mean, remember, we had a, a list We had a list in this country of zero-rated goods that was only updated in 2018 from 1993. That's the so, thing. Hey. For me, the calculation <laughs> itself, for me, like like I said, I, I come from private sector. I just, we just finished our round and I, it, it wasn't until, like, I want to Andy Sabawel. Hey, hi guys, the guys there in municipality. I don't, for me, I think the inflate, that for me is how, let's talk about the increase. For me, the wage requirement of the public sector wage, when your private sector wages are also depressed as well, and they've, mm. and we've had retrenchments to deal with, which public sector haven't had to deal with at a massive you're speaking on a platform now that's had retrenchments, so you can't say that. There's been retrenchments. No, but I mean, sensible. No, 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 no. I think you're being unfair. No, but but there were retrenchments. We're in a Section 189 process now. I mean, like, you can't say public sector, there's no No, 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 Go to NARSA, go to SAA. No, no, let's go there. Let's go there. Let's be very frank about it public sector outside of those entities which were financially struggling already. You can't section, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. But they're still regardless, coming. Regardless see, of COVID, SAPC was doing a section 189, considering it from 2019, they, con they abandoned it in 2019, they abandoned it in 2018, they abandoned it uh, during the Did they have years. scope to abandon it now? And they didn't abandon it now because our command it's now, it's been, That's what I'm it's saying. been happening. It's been <laughs> happening, but it's the fact that it only happened now doesn't say the fact that it was due to happen. Many occurrences. That is private public. 
That's what's happening. Yes, but I also don't think think from a parity perspective that when I looked at the demands, I was like, yeah, but 75% medical aid and this, you... I'm also, saliv- I'm also <laughs> salivating at that, like, yo, 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 yo. Yo, I, I mean, that 80% employer medical like, aid me, contribution. Even me, I want 80%. Yo, Stacey, bro. Pango was to call to phone you. Pango was to call to phone you. Let's let it go. The simple part is that, and this is where I think, public sector wage union unions can come up with it if they want. The simple fact is that Uncle Ito will be doing a retrenchment exercise with public sector. Drop the Not mic there. Drop the mic there. Drop the mic there. He's going Drop the, the mic there. Drop the mic there, Snesip. Because the ne- my next guest is going to be touching on that and what Uncle Tito is going to be doing. Good show. Let's leave it there. Uncle Tito Let's leave zero. it there. Uncle Tito tells uh-uh. zero, guys. <laughs> Uncle Peggy is next. Don't worry. Uncle Peggy is next. He's going to tell us how he's going to be contesting that zero. Stacey always a pleasure, Mama. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Okay, all right then. Bye-bye. That, that was Stacey Bo, but speaking to us for our wrap of the top business stories. Stay tuned.